Welcome back to the Hollow Sports Podcast, and we have another football after show. Today I'm joined by Joe and Alan. You may have seen us all on our recent Youth Academy podcast, so just to make sure to check that out. But look, we're we're back today for another football after show to kind of dissect some of kind of the key things that have been happening over kind of the last week. And now there's a there's a game on at the moment, but uh I guess the quick thing to kind of go on and talk about is the game yesterday between Crystal Palace and Man United, because that's where a lot of the kind of paper talk and a lot of journalists are out there talking about that game. Before we start there, Joe, how are you doing today? It's quite an ironic question that, mate, as we've been talking about yesterday's game. Um, like, like, they say you don't let it affect your mood, but it does, doesn't it? You know, it does get you down and it's it's depressing and it it affects what you do as well. Like I just said to you boys off there, I've been avoiding social media like the plague because I just can't do it with sick people, seeing people moaning and just adding to the depression. But look, I'm all right generally, I suppose. Can't complain in, in terms of general, but it's uh, the, my football team at the moment is definitely testing my patience. Yeah, that's that's a perfect way to kind of sum it up, I think, at there, Alan, is Manchester United really like to test the patience of their own fan base. Yeah, I think I finally finally found my cure for uh, getting to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. L- like I think the the joke going around yesterday was the fact that there was so much so much missed that it it really helped with the kind of viewing of the game because it was just that bad. Look, when when Gary Neville is there talking about how boring and how bad the game is, you know you're doing something wrong. And look, the, I think the, we'll, we'll start with a quick review of it because we don't want to, there's not really too much to kind of actually talk about in terms of the game. But the fact that, Joe, we'll start with you, that it's been four hours since United have scored a goal. And it, it, the other, I think the other stat that really kind of was there for me was the fact that we've drawn more nil alls this season on, than under the season of Louis van Gaal, which seemed like we did it every week. So, first of all, I guess, what's actually, in your opinion, what's what's going on the fact that we've gone, we ha- we've had so many different periods of this season. We've had times when the football is really good, times that it's been real bad, times where people think, oh, the manager might get sacked, and then times where, look, <laughs> we were top of the league a couple of weeks ago, and now we're, what, 13 or 15 points behind Man City in second. Look, I just think the squad is just on a massive knife edge all the time. You know, if one player isn't quite playing well, it just affects the whole balance. If one player is injured, it affects all that. You look at Paul Poe, I think, look, I feel quite contradictory saying this because I've I've been one of the first people to to sort of criticise Paul over, over the last sort of couple of years. But if you look at how well he was playing just before his injury... And what he was giving to this team, you can see where we're missing. You know, what I mean, that that lack of creativity coming from that slightly deeper midfield position, or in, indeed on the left, wherever Oli played him, United are really missing that. And it's not just Paul, sort of, and Paul's ability. I think it's what Paul offers to the other members of the team as well. I think, obviously, you look at when Bruno's been really good for United after Project Restart. That sort of coincided with Paul being in the team and. and playing an integral role. And then obviously we were all loading Bruno when we were sort of at the top of the league and how he'd helped us get there towards the end of his first year. But again, that's also coincided with Paul being in the team and playing really well. And I just think 
Pogba takes that burden off of Bruno a little bit, and he, you know, he's another outlet, and he's another he's another player for other teams to, to worry about. I do feel when when one of those don't play, nobody has to worry really about threats from other positions, especially from a creativity point of view. So that's the point for me. I think it's just how fragile this squad is, and just how every week, if everybody's not on the game, it's it, it's just on the knife edge because you just don't you you can't. You can't say that this team can sort of play at 80-70% and still come through and win games. They, they need their best players to be on form and they need their best players on the pitch. Yeah, it's, it's very worrying because we look at these games and it's not like they're playing poorly against the likes of Liverpool, Man City and, the, and those. like It's Crystal Palace, Newcastle, West Brom. In terms of from what from your viewpoint, Alan, what's what's kind of gone wrong in some of those games? Because look, we know there's this whole idea that when a team sits back and goes into a low block, United can't break a team down. But look, we've seen that with the likes of Bruno that they've been able to do that prior to now. But what have you seen recently from some of the performances that, for, personally, for me, I just feel like there's a lack of off-the-ball movement and a lack of work ethic from some of the more attacking players. I don't know if you agree with that, but what have you seen over kind of the last few weeks that would worry you as a United fan? Yeah, I'd agree. And I'd echo um, Joe's point about Pogba. I think that's been the biggest turning point of late. You know, when Pogba plays, teams can't double up on Bruno because it leaves Pogba free. And if they double up on Pogba, it leaves Bruno free. So... That was something you touched on last summer when, when both were fit and you had Greenwood firing, Martial was on form. You know, you had five players, Rashford was on form as well, five players that were on form and you couldn't really double up on any of them for leaving space to, to the others. And I think that's the problem at the minute is is the likes of Rashford, you know, he's hit and miss. Um, Martial's been off form, Greenwood as well. So, you know, the fact that their form has been patchy, Pogba's been out, a lot's been left on Bruno's shoulders and he, you know, he was extremely poor last night. And I think it's partly because teams are completely doubling up, sometimes tripling up on them because they know that if the ball is with McTominay, Fred or Matic, not much is going to happen. Even Wan-Bissaka as well, a right back, he's not, he's zero attacking outlet. You know, there's, there's nothing that comes through him and teams know that. You see the space that they leave United on the right because they know that the right winger is going to cut in and that the right back is not going to overlap. And I think until we get a, a better attacking right back and, and another creative player in midfield or a deep lying uh, midfielder who can actually pass the ball and is comfortable on the ball and play long range passes, you know, it's going to be the same story. Yeah, it's a, that's a big problem, Joe, because we mentioned it a lot that the fact that when Bruno is the only one in there that can really create and there's not that next player. We used, it used to happen with Pogba. Every time we play against the top side, they just put two players in Pogba and he'd be nullified from the game. The only time it didn't happen was when he scored those two goals against Manchester City. But the problem is now, and I think this is a really good point that Aaron brings up, is do you think that there is a mentality issue at the club? I Look, I've been, in terms of some of the people that I've spoken about, and this has been more in terms of when I've been kind of looking at Real Madrid and Barcelona that are the players nowadays do they still have that same elite mentality that we saw when you expect Madrid and Barcelona to win everything 
And I look at the same issue at United. Do we have a group of players now with that elite mentality that when you're not winning, that you will do absolutely anything you possibly can to score that goal or to change the game to win? No, we don't. And we we haven't had it for a long time, I don't think, is, is, a, simple, is a simple answer to that. And I think what we have seen... You know, I think Oli can be criticised for certain things, but what I, I think, what I would say we have seen under his regime is a move towards trying to sign players who are not only good footballers but are better characters. You know, the, I think he's obviously looked at Bruno and what he was all about at Sporting, and obviously he brought him in. They brought him in to be more than just a player that he is. They know that he's someone who's got that elite mentality. I think they thought they may get that from Harry Maguire. I'm yet to see that really from Harry Maguire yet, but I think that that's what they thought they were buying. I think that's what they thought they were paying 80 million for, as well as a good defender. I think they thought they saw a sort of leader in there, someone with this world-class mentality. Like I say, I'm yet to see that from him yet. There's players in that squad who've won a World Cup. Paul Pogba, you could say that he's got that elite mentality. But again, to be fair, in all fairness... It has been sporadic at times. We've not always seen it from Paul, unfortunately, which is which is a shame and one of the biggest reasons he does get criticised. But then you look around the the rest of the team and is it really a surprise because you look at a lot of the members of this squad and a lot of them haven't really tasted much success in their careers, to be fair. I mean, you've got Nemanja Matic in there who you could argue, you know, he's won a couple of league titles. Um, obviously, with Chelsea, you know, he knows what it takes to win things. But then you're looking at people like Rashford, you know, he's obviously, since he's broke through, the club's not been at, at the top of the league. Martial, the same, you know, McTominay, the same. There's a lot of these that, that sort of, you feel like they need to experience just some success just to get them on the springboard towards more. And this is why I think we said a few months ago on a show we did, Kieran, where we said, look, whether they win the title or they don't, it's just really important for these players to be involved in a title running of some sort, just so that they can feel what it's all about. And, you know, people might say they're in a title race in January, but I don't feel like the title race starts in January. I, I mean, what we, we're 26 games in now. I would say if you're still sort of within five points to the top of the league with 10 games to go, then I think that's when the title race starts. So, you can argue come the end of this season whether United have actually ever been in a title race because we'll see how it ends up. But right now, they're certainly not. And then when people thought they were, I thought it was too early anyway. So I'm not sure. But you feel like that's what they need. They need to either be embroiled in a title race or they need to win a trophy, whether that be an FA Cup, a Europa League, just something that just shows them that actually they can win something and actually what it actually takes to get over the line. Because there's just too many in this squad at the moment that just doesn't know how to get over the winning line, I don't think. Yeah, that's a really good point that, look, until you experience winning, it, it's hard. But then I then I go back and I think of, well, you look back on that Leicester team that won the league and nobody in that team had won. You look at, look, you look at the Liverpool teams when they won the Champions League just recently. The majority of those players hadn't won anything. So... To a certain extent, I think I completely agree with what you're saying. But then I do think that the players have to really take an onus on themselves, that they have to look back on what do they want their careers to be defined as. We've seen some of the United greats where we think of them now, yes, they're great players, but now when we talk about them, we talk about everything that they've won. 
the problem that a lot of these United players now are going to have is the longer this goes on, the more that they they actually will when we look back on it, people won't talk about them as much because when you don't win things, people like it's the whole saying, nobody remembers who came second. So that's that's the problem. And I personally, I completely agree with you, Joe. I, know I was saying it the whole time. Everybody was getting overhyped about United being first in the league and with, what was it, still... 20 plus games I don't even think it was just half the season it was a little bit more and for me for me I know you would say 10 games I don't look at a title race until roughly about 30 games have been played mm. and if there's still two teams in it for me then it's a title race because it's kind of a sprint to the finish because look we talk about how the Premier League is a long season that the league is the hardest thing to win no matter what you say about like the Champions League, the Europa League, FA Cup, anything like that, but the league is the hardest because that tells you who has been the best team over a full season and not who did you draw in a quarterfinal or a semifinal. My my next point that I think is is important and it's really hard to really quantify kind of which one is correct. And I'll bring this one to you, Alan. Do you think that this is a player problem we can talk about mentality or just kind of the actual quality as well do you think it's a player problem a coaching issue or is it something different altogether or is it all of them kind of put together it, it's a mixture but i think the culture is just so wrong and so bad and it, it's top down you know i don't add hug the airways again with how bad the club has been run because we've all listened to that and we're sick of hearing it but when you have a goalkeeper on 375 grand a week and he's performing as poorly as he has been, you know, that trickles down. You have Martial on 250 grand a week. You know, what incentive do these guys have to do anymore? You know, they've already mm -hmm. made it. They've made a fortune. I'm sure if you look at the Liverpool um, wage structure, I think Alisson was on 90 grand a week. And I'm sure there were lots of bonuses and kickers for them winning the league. You could see the motivation. I'm not saying players are solely motivated by their bonuses, but I don't think there's the same level of motivation at United. And that comes from that top down and what's being created from this wage structure, which is just gone. It's it's taken a life form of itself. Um, and it, it needs just stripping back to the point of, you know, we'll get into it, I'm sure, in terms of what players need to come and go, but De Gea needs to go. Simple as. You can't have a guy underperforming on that amount of money. Problem is, who who's going to pay him even a fraction of it but I think so the culture is an issue and I think the, the players can only do so much within the culture I think I could give you probably another podcast on what my views are on the manager I think it was incredible that we overlooked Pochettino there's you know it's just insanity in my in my eyes um so I I, I think Ollie's done a very very good job in, in terms of taking us from where we were to where we are but I, I feel he was only ever, ever going to take us so far. Um, so I feel we're limited in a sense. Tactically, we look inept when teams sit back. We look clueless. If you compare us to Manchester City, and I know they have a very good squad, but if if both teams are playing their full fit 11, I'm not sure there's much between both squads. I think our attack is, is just as good as there, but they look so much better drilled in attack. Um, we look clueless. We look reliant on individual moments of magic. 
so there is a coaching issue there's a culture issue and yeah there probably is player players are the issue as well you know it's, it's three-pronged so uh, i'm spreading loads of joy and, and positivity but that's that's the reality you know we need probably four or five new players we need to upgrade the manager eventually let's be honest and we need to have a guy in charge of contracts who actually has a clue about football and what players are worth yeah that's that's the biggest issue i've i've had look I know in a, in a future podcast, Joe, we'll be talking about the Glazers and stuff. And I mentioned something to you in kind of the group chat yesterday that I hate when I see everything online when United lose that I go straight towards the Glazers because, look, we all know that they're bad owners and we don't really want them there because of how they took over their club. But when people just go and straight away blame the Glazers, I go back and think, well, they're not the ones making the decisions when it comes to the recruitment of the club, the recruitment of the manager how the processes work. They pay somebody to do that. And unfortunately, the likes of Ed Woodward, Matt George, and really everybody else that's on that level, have they failed in their jobs in a couple respects. Look, after Mourinho was gone, that, that was fine. And bringing in Ali, it made sense because he was available. And, but I still, I still have a problem with every single time that we bring in a new manager that we don't actually do a coaching search, that it's one person gets brought in and that's it. For me, that's malpractice to not be interviewing different candidates. You may know exactly who you want to hire, but it makes no sense that you don't go in and you get different types of managers in and interview them because you need to get different perspectives. You need Because you never know when some manager might provide you information that you can use that you can actually improve your systems at your club. And the only way of doing that is actually by kind of interviewing. And it's it's one thing that I've always had a gripe of. And I know the way people want to say for football is that, oh, no, you know what manager you want, you bring them in. But that's actually not true. You look at some of the better clubs out there that have brought in kind of successful managers in, that they've actually gone out, they've done their coaching search, and it's actually worked out because they have those systems in place. Unfortunately, at United, we don't have that. And you see it kind of, it, it trickles down from the likes of Ed Woodward and Matt George to the manager to the players. And there's just this big imbalance in the club. And then also you see that on the pitch as well, Joe. Look, I don't want to get into much into whether Ali should be here or Ali shouldn't be. Look, he, he's the manager and he's going to be the manager for the rest of the season, no matter what happens. I, th- I think it's 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 far-fetched for people to believe that if he loses a couple more games, that they're just going to sack him. They're not. They're too far into the season now, personally, where I think that that's going to happen. So then, what does he need to do to kind of turn this around? We've seen it before. But, the prefor- but before what was happening is we were getting poor results. Maybe the defense was leaking goals, but we're seeing positives in the attack. Right now, we're not seeing positives in the attack or the defense. So what do you think he needs to try and change really coming up this summer? Because it's a big year for Ali. He has eight, not even 18 months on his current contract left. Look, it's really tough, isn't it? And whenever I give my thoughts on Oli, I suppose people probably label me as an Oli inner. And I can tell you now, I'm not an Oli inner or an Oli out. I've said this many times before. What I have said is, if people think that United are going to be successful... By just changing the coach, I think it's quite folly to think that, you know, because I think, there, there, like Alan touched on, like you touched on, there's so many more issues 
around this club than just a coach. And I think it all starts with recruitment. I've, I've said to you before, I think we've recruited, Kieran, we've recruited for managers, for coaches, rather than for a system. And what you end up with then is you end up with a group of players that are greatly imbalanced. Some of them are surplus to requirements and some of them are simply not good enough. Like, like I said last night, I defy any coach in the world to make some of these players title winners any better than what they are. I really do. I, th I just genuinely think there is no coach out there that can coach some of these players towards title. People may disagree with me, but I think, you know, Maguire and Lindelof, for Maguire to be a solid title winning defender, he has to be quicker. You know, he has to fundamental flaws in his game. I just don't think any coach can improve, unfortunately. And I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but this is just where we are with the football club. I just think, like Alan said, there's not one aspect of it that is that's sort of bad. If it was, you'd just change it and everything would be all right, wouldn't it? But I could still foresee certain issues happening, even with a change of coach. But in terms of Ollie and what he's got to do, he's got to do better as a coach. No doubt that you can look at some things and there are flaws in his coaching. I, I agree with that totally. You know, some of, some of the tactical decisions that he makes criticism last night because obviously it took 74 minutes I think to make a substitute and that doesn't look good but then again when you look at United's bench last night from when you're trying to win a game he's looking around there and yes we've got Diallo on the bench but from an attacking point of view that bench looks as weak as it's looked from a long for a long time to be fair which which again sort of tells its own story but you know, I think if he wants to keep his job beyond this season, he's got to show progress, Kieran. So what, they got 66 points last season. They're going to have to beat that points tally. You'd, you'd like to think that they're probably going to have to finish second. And I think he's going to have to win something. He's going to have to show that he can get over line and he can get this team over line. And I think if he ends up in a title, in a sort of top four race, which Gary Neville suggested they could sleepwalk into last night, and they only just scrape top four and they don't win a trophy, there could be a change this summer, whether people like it or they don't. I just think there could be, because that, for me, doesn't signal progress. But what I what I have said on the other hand is that just if we change the coach, unless other aspects of the club improve as well, we will find ourselves in exactly the same position in two, three years' time, because you'll just find a coach having to work with 70% of a squad that probably aren't his players. And... And and that's where we're at, and that's where that's what I think has got to be addressed before anything. The project, the system, the philosophy of the club, it's got to be more clearly outlined and obvious to some of these top managers. Because that's my other concern. Like I said to you in the group chat yesterday, Kieran, these top managers. What, what, yes, Manchester United has an allure about it. It's a massive football club, but everyone can see it's not very well run at the moment and it's it's not a great project. And if you look at some of the top managers around Europe, like Nagelsmann, he could probably pick his club, in my opinion, in in two years' time. So no longer a Manchester United, that type of club, I think, where you just think, well, you can just go out there and get the best money. It's not that easy for them anymore, I don't think. Yeah, look, I know talking about this is kind of hard to hear when you look at Kind of the the way this this has been built, and the fact that you, you look at a coach that might not want to to come to the club, that you look at how successful it's been. But you have to look at if you're a manager, not only the club that you have to look at, you actually have to look at the players that are there. And that's kind of what I wanted to do today. 
to have a bit of a kind of analyze what is kind of the state of the squad at the moment because at the start of the season the midway point of the season a lot of people were saying how good this squad is and how balanced it, it can be up against some of the other teams vying for the title now granted at that point i think man city were not playing the way they are at the moment but still the question has to remain and look i'll start with you alan we'll start with the defense um first of all personally for me i think the only player that you can probably look at defense in the defense this season that had that can really hold their head up high is luke shaw because i think he's been he's been excellent going forward and has also been good defensively this season we have chop and change that centre-back partnership and then any kind of big game, it's always Maguire, Lindelof. But we're starting to see the same mistakes happen over and over. You mentioned with Aaron Wan-Bissaka, when it comes to the defensive side, great. When it comes to the attacking side, it's really where when the ball goes to Wan-Bissaka attacking-wise, it's where the attacks actually go to die. That Once it, hit, once it goes to Wan-Bissaka, he can't move it fluidly up, up the pitch. And... Look, it's the reason why I think we've been linked with players like Max Ahrens over the last couple of months. Why I know in the last podcast that we were that we were talking about that it'd be nice to see Ethan Laird come back and be given an opportunity if if he can continue doing what he's doing at MK Dons. Um, but look, in terms of your own opinion, when you kind of step back and look at this defense, I know there's a lot of rumors that we'll go for a centre back as well in the summer, but. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the financials that come out tonight um, on how much we can actually spend in the summer. But what is your opinion of the defence from just looking at it as an entirety during this season? I think um, one player could make it a massive difference, in my opinion, because you have to judge the defence as a unit. And, well, there's a, a couple of things. I think De Gea probably doesn't breed much confidence the way he's been playing. You know, he isn't commanding, he never has been, but when he's not making those saves as a defender, you know, you can't be sure, you know, it doesn't fill you with confidence, it doesn't help. Um, I, I I am actually of the belief that if we have a good, pacey centre-back beside Maguire, we'll be so much better for it. Um, and once we have a, an attacking right-back to supplement Wan-Bissaka, you know, for the, the easier games, I think we'll have much better balance and choice then. As you saw with, with Luke Shaw, he needed that competition to raise his own game. I'm not sure Wan-Bissaka probably has it in him to potentially you know, raise his game to the extent that Shaw has. But I still think having that competition would, would serve him well. Um, he needs to be rotated. I don't know how, how many games he played last season. Maguire as well. They played a crazy amount of games. And that doesn't help. Um, but I, I, I do think as a unit, if, 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 you, if they had more um, assurance in the keeper, you know, if Henderson did say come in, and he did come good, it would be a massive thing because the defenders would have more confidence then. If he had a pacier centre-back beside Maguire, we could step up higher on the pitch, which would make it easier in games where, where other teams sit back. I think a more attacking right-back, as I've mentioned before, would make a huge difference because if you saw it last night, the amount of space that was on the right-hand side of the pitch, Palace were more than happy to allow wan to have the ball because they knew nothing was going to come of it. And what frustrates me with him, he gets into good positions and he turns. You know, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence in his ability. And again, maybe that will come. But as I mentioned on the, the last time, I'd like to see Laird given a chance eventually. Um, he's picked up a couple of man in the match awards at MK, MK Dons. And if you look at Reese James's trajectory um, at Chelsea the last couple of years, he went on to League One, did very, very well. 
went to the championship and he, he made a very, very quick transition at a very similar age to Laird. Um, and it's something I forgot to mention about Laird last night that I intended just, it, it's an interesting point, is that Daniel Harris, the journalist, was recently commenting on Laird and saying that the Liverpool Academy coaches rated Laird as the best player in that United age group. And he was in the same age group as Mason Greenwood. So that just shows you, I suppose, how injuries have impacted Laird in comparison when you see the trajectory that Greenwood has had since. But the talent is there. And I firmly believe that if he does come good, it would be a huge weapon for us because those home games, you know, whatever about a right winger, you know, I think... I think we're actually fine at right wing to a certain extent with Greenwood cutting in on his left if we had that right back overlapping because we just don't have it. If we had, it would make a huge difference. But look, there's a lot that can, can be said about Maguire and Lindelof. I just don't think they're a good pair. You know, both would benefit having a pacier, stronger. You know, if Bailly was more uh, consistent, it would help. But I think it surely will be the position we place emphasis on signing this summer. Koundé has been linked. I, I heard bits from, from the show earlier to hide it. it made, and, you know, really good points there. Che Guevara, Jonas was mentioning and That's the kind of player I think would, would supplement Maguire well. But, you know, I, I don't think it's it's it needs an, a massive overhaul. You know, as I say, between Laird there with Henderson and with that big signing, I think we'll be in good stead. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's an interesting one, Joe. Look, we've spoken about the defence a lot. An interesting name that has come up as well, because obviously is uh, Trippier. But again, there's been there's a lot of issues there with. I know there's been problems over in Spain, and I know Atletico are are fond of him and don't really want to let him go. So I'm not quite sure if that would do. Look, I'm going to give you the the tough one here, Joe, because look, we've been talking about this for a while, and the imbalance in this team is really at the midfield, both in terms of, look, I think we're all, we can all say we're happy with Bruno being that advanced midfielder. Those other two positions, we have a problem because by all accounts, Paul Pogba is planning on leaving in the summer. I have reservations about if United actually buy somebody else in that position to kind of take over. And then look, the elephant in the room is, what do we do at defensive min? And we will talk about that a little in a little bit as well. But like, what do you think? What do you think is the biggest problem with with the midfield at the moment? The biggest problem with the midfield, especially from the deeper area, for me, is creativity. So it's that it's the distribution of the ball, ball retention from that double pivot. So if Ollie's, you know, we don't know what Ollie's going to want to do if he signs. If he's lucky enough to sign a couple of midfielders this year, will he change his formation? That's always been the biggest question. And will he move from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3, which I think in an ideal world he would love to do. But in order to do that, you have to have uh, at least one world-class midfielder, especially in that CDM position, especially with the defence the way it's been, obviously, because, you know, this defence, the current back four, like Alan said, is, is definitely, as a unit, got its flaws and it needs protecting. So, you know, you need you, if you're going to play 4-3-3 with the personnel that we have at the back, you need a world-class centre CDM. So, will they do that? I don't know. But if he's going to play, want to play 4-2-3-1, it'll all depend, obviously, on whether Pogba is going to leave or whether he does stay. I, th I think there's so many aspects to Paul Pogba leaving. This is the only thing... 
it just doesn't feel close. Like sometimes you just feel like when a player's going, don't you? I just I don't really feel it with Paul because I just think there's there's the element of at the moment there's a lot of talk of actually does he really want to go? There has been talk of a new contract that we know, but also then if he does want to go, like it's going to be a, another tough summer to move players of that ilk on. You know, it's going to be very difficult for players of that valuation, that quality to move this year because they demand transfer fees that people just cannot pay. So it might be that we have Paul for another year, which is not which is not a bad thing. You know, that, that's not a problem at all. That's, that's obviously fine and that suits United. But then, like you say, if he does go, Kieran, I don't have the faith in the recruitment, and this is where I'm talking about, that they will fill that hole properly. And that is a, that will be, that's not a hole you have to fill. That is a crater. That will be a that, that's an absolute crater that you know after it's not just a hole, and you you'd almost have to say that they probably don't fill it with one player. They probably have to buy two players in order to level out the the quality. That's how big Paul Pogba is. We, we've all seen it obviously in the run that we had earlier in the season. So it's really difficult. But I think in the midfield, the biggest thing that they need to improve is creativity. They've got a fantastic sort of advanced playmaker midfielder in Bruno we know that number 10 we know what he can do but they need someone who can control and hold the ball better in the deeper areas because you look at Matic you look at Fred you look at McTominay and again like I said about coaching none of that there's no coach in the world that's going to turn them into you know assist machines I just don't think they're that type of player and again that's the other issue so again it's all about personnel so yeah, someone that's that's the biggest sort of weakness in this midfield at the moment. It was there to see against Crystal Palace, and it's been there to see in all the games we've struggled in this season. If Bruno doesn't assist a goal from midfield, who does? You know what I mean? And your next probably assist, you know, the biggest production of assists is probably from the left side with Luke Shaw this season. So um, and. Teams are just getting wide to it, Kieran, because they know now that United want to attack down that left. And like Alan said, the teams will just push United. You know, if United go left, they just they're, they're aware of the danger. They leave that right side free. United need to show that they can attack on both sides, so that when they come forward, teams don't know which way they're going to go. Because yeah. at the moment, when United are chasing a goal, they're always going to gravitate towards the left. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think the deficiencies of this squad is. Is very obvious for us to see. For me, it's it all comes down to that balance, and we just don't have it. And the problem that I I see is that you see the imbalance in pretty much every single aspect of the squad, from the attack where we talk about we always like to kind of go from the left, which has been the same problem we've had for years now. In midfield, like you said, we don't have that extra creative player when Bruno's not playing well. We also don't have that defensive mid that can shield our defense either in defense you don't have that really good pairing at center half that you really really need and you see the diff and yes it might be the fact that it can take one player that can actually shift it you've seen it with city this year with ruben diaz he comes in and that defense looks so much better but the problem is it's united is they've brought in probably bruno is one of the few players that you could say is come in and has changed the team other than that you haven't seen many areas of recruitment that has done that and that's the biggest issue and look the main two points that i'm going to bring up at the moment is 
look, we know the what we need at the right wing, and something needs to to give there. Either you stick it out with what Alan said with Greenwood out there, and you need to improve then right back going forward because you need to have somebody that's going to threaten from that side, staying wide. And then the second one is well, it'll come back to the striker. We've spoken about Cavani, Martial before. Really, we look at what type of striker do United need because we know that we need to get one of those goal scorers in that we haven't had in quite a long time. If we really look at it, we haven't had a look. We haven't had a proper goal scorer, you know, since Van Persie and Rooney were gone, and that's the that's the biggest issue. I know I'm going to kind of feed into one of the main kind of talking points this week that a lot was going on was all about um, Erling Haaland. So I know there was a lot of reports this week that there was six teams that he would be willing to, to go to after Dortmund. Now, I also read a report that, that apparently that his release clause is actually going to be a lot higher than people realize it. And it's, oh, that would be over a hundred million. What that makes me think is maybe there's be, there's going to be an extension with Dortmund to get that money up. To, because if they have six or five or six teams that are interested, somebody's going to come up and pay that money for for Haaland. So I'm going to give this one to you, Alan. So two two parts of this question. One, what style of striker do you think United need to target? Because obviously you can tell that Ali's not happy with the strikers he currently has. Probably Cavani's the only one that he feels he can use in the striking position. And then two, if you were looking at Haaland and this is the next step of his career, what club do you actually think would be best for him to go to, considering just how good he's been at such an early age? It, it's an interesting one because Haaland in, in style is relatively similar to Lukaku. You know, he, he really is. Um, he's a better version. And I think he'll be more prolific in his career. But, you know, that's the type, and it's one that we got rid of. And even Cavani, I have to say, like, he's, he's done very well individually. You know, he scored a few goals, he's worked hard. I don't think that the front three as a unit have looked as good when he's played in comparison to, say, now I know there's there's other factors, but last summer, when, now I'm, I'm not uh, saying Martial has, has covered himself in glory this season at all, he hasn't. But when that front three were linking best was when he was number nine, in my view, in, in terms of what, what I've seen in the last 24 months. You know, if you include Lukaku, even go back to Lukaku's time. And I, I read recently in The Athletic that um, United were looking for a Lautaro Martinez type striker, not necessarily him. But I think I'd be, I'd be kind of, if we do miss out in Holland, I don't think it's a disaster in the sense that the chances are that kind of Lotaro Martinez type might be better suited in terms of bringing the likes of Rashford or Greenwood into it more and linking play better. And an interesting point on this is Inter, I don't know if you've been reading up on their finances, but they owe United quite a bit of money from that Lukaku deal. They have Chinese backers who are skint, uh, for want of a better term. So there's talk that United might be actually looking to try and get some players in exchange for that outstanding credit. I think it's 51 million or something. You know, so there is a chance that Martinez could be the striker that we go for. Um, but ultimately, I, I think when I've seen United play the best football, it was last summer when they had 
Martial at nine, he was in form and he was linking play so well. Rashford was on song, Greenwood was on song. You know, and I, when Cavani plays, I don't see that link up as much. You know, he, he, Cavani is more in the Haaland type, Lukaku type. I know he, he works very hard and does a lot, but in terms of that link up play, I, I don't see it. So, you know, for me, Haaland's a fantastic player, but, you know, in terms of where we want to play and how we want to link our, our front three, I don't think it's a disaster if we miss out on him. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting point. I was reading those stories as well this week about the Inter Milan one. I know the first one that came out was, I know it came from Italy, and it was a little bit inaccurate in terms of the that they owed them like this year or right now, because I know that deal was restructured for Inter to pay next year. But again, it make it makes a good point there, Alan. You do with if they still owe fifty one million, and like you said, some of the backers there are skid because you look at even some of the other clubs around Europe, the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, and a lot of them in Spain are skid as well. <laughs> and that's the problem with cover. We're probably going to hear some news soon about United's finances because I know there's a, a conference call at the moment that's going on. But that will start to trickle out later and we'll see just really how much we can actually spend. And if getting someone like, I know the two names that people threw out there were Skriniar as a centre-back and then Latoro Martinez. Again, this is one of the things that kind of gets to me is that anybody that watched him before he went to Inter Milan knew he was a pretty good striker. And it's that kind of recruitment model that, United need to try and kind of tap into and get some of those players before they become these really top level players. It's, it's like the story that came out during the week of Erling Haaland when he was at Molde that United were going to sign him for something like three or four million because of the wrong timing of a phone call. He goes, <laughs> he goes and he doesn't join the club. And it's little things like that that you start to look at this the leadership group and it's a and it's a problem. The last look, the last topic we're going to talk about, Joe, and we'll spend about kind of six or seven minutes on this, is the defensive midfield position because this is a really big issue and it's one that a lot of fans talk about. We've seen so many different names out there. What I'm going to throw out are a couple of different scenarios for you and what you think would be kind of one of the good ideas that what you would do anyway or what you would like to see as a United fan. So we know that something has to happen with the defensive mid position. So we can either look at the internal candidates, right? So the current players in the first team squad that you can look at are probably Matish, McTominay and Fred. I think we can all agree that there's no long-term answers there. If we were looking at any other internal possibilities, you look at Jimmy Garner currently playing at Nottingham Forest. I know they want to keep him on next next year. I know I think it was Chris Hewton came out today that was talking him up and that he's had a really good start to his life there. And then we saw last week or the week prior to that that Axel Two and Zabi played there. And I've been working on a story of would he be actually suited to to play in the defensive mid position, which it's a tricky one because look, he has traits. He's he has good defensive awareness. He's very physical. He's has really good engine, good motor that he doesn't tend to get tired. But then you look at it and is he as progressive as we want that defensive midfield position to be? 
then it's the other side of things that do you have to go into the transfer market to bring someone in? We've heard of the likes of Indeedy. We've heard of, I know before there was rumors with Kante, Zakaria, and there's many others that we've been linked to. But the problem that we may come to is the whole idea that the funds, because we don't know what's going to happen in this transfer window. From what everything that's leaking out is, teams aren't going to have that much money to spend. The only teams that will probably spend are PSG and Man City. So you looking at this from where we've analyzed kind of some aspects of the team, what do you think are kind of the best options for United going forward? Because look, this is one of the positions that they need to improve on. Personally, I don't think they're going to improve on it this summer. I think they're going to stick with what they have. They'll probably bring back Jimmy Garner to play a lot and kind of slot him in a couple games here and there. Um, because look, he's playing in the championship and like Alan said before, we've seen the likes of Reese James, Mason Mount go from the championship to start playing in the Premier League. So as a United fan, how would you feel about A, maybe seeing someone like Garner or again, we could use Axel as an example of being tried in that position next year to have something different versus going into the transfer market and maybe going for a defensive mid instead of whether it's a striker, a right wing, or a centre back, I'm quite conflicted on this because for me, the CDM position I think is quite a red flag. I think it's a, I think it's a big thing for United. I think they I think it could really open up a lot of possibilities in terms of it would give them more flexibility in terms of the formations they play. They wouldn't they would have that option if they had a quality CDM. Some games they could switch it up to four three three. They could. There's no reason if that CDM. It's comfortable on the ball while they can't stick with a 4-2-3-1. I just think one player would open up the possibility for them to just to have a bit more versatility from a from a formation tactical point of view. But like you, I don't think I, from what I'm reading, Kieran, I don't see it's high on their priority list, to be honest. I think the only way they probably bring in a quality midfielder who may be a hybrid is if they sold Paul Pogba, I think they would have to bring in someone in the midfield then because you have, like we said before, you have to replace Paul Pogba. That would just be criminal if you don't. I mean, that would be awful. But if they don't, if Paul Pogba does stay, I think they'll probably try and get through with what they've got, like like you mentioned there. Because I do think, looking at the, the, the noises coming out in the media and in the club, Centre back, I think is I think they're absolutely nailed on to try and sign a centre back this summer. I'm going to say try because there's never any guarantee for United. I think they'll try and sign a centre back for a year, and then I think there'll be an addition in the front line, whether that be a striker or whether that be a right winger. I, I think that that's where they'll look. They'll want to add something to that front three, whether it be the centre point or the right side, and a centre back. But for me, like I say, I think they should be looking at that CDM. Because I think that opens up a lot of possibilities for them. And then if they go in the market, it's all the names that you've mentioned there. The Ndidis, I think Zakari is another name. It's a player that I don't know a lot about, but I know a lot of people are mentioning him, obviously, and and, and players of that ilk. But look, Axel did okay when he played there, second half for United. But look, I don't I don't know what your how your article's shaping up, Kieran, and I don't know the stats, but I would worry about Axel playing there from a distribution point of view. So he's certainly not going to add any more creativity than we already have there. That's the issue. When I look at it, if, if you want to cure that issue, does Axel help that? No. There's no doubt that he's probably 
a better defensive shield for the back four because he is a defender. So you would hope that, you know, in terms of from a defending point of view, his, his game knowledge will be there and he, he, he can help for that point of view. You wondered whether United could do something clever if he plays in that role where at times it can drop back into a back five, like a back three, if you know what I mean, and and defend like that when, the, when they're not in possession. But again, is that a bit tactically advanced for the coaches set up that we have at the moment? If you know, they're out, you know, we have talked to, and I think it's fair. You know, could they be clever in that way? Look, everybody wants to see these young players get game time, and I'm no different. But at the same time, they have to be good enough. You know, at Manchester United, we're not in a situation where we can play guessing games with players and gamble on players anymore. You know, we need we need to be sure. I'm I'm happy for these players to be involved in the squad and to play, but they cannot just play because they're an academy product. They have to be able to play oh, because think... they can bring something to this team and they can add something to this team. That's made my biggest argument with, with Scott McTominay, Kieran, as you know, and a lot of people's biggest argument. The fact that, you know, oh, he's, it's Scott McTominay, he's all about passion. He gets it to be a Man United player. Therefore, he should play week in, week out. Well, the, the, yeah, you can say that, but at the same time, you know, he needs to add something to his team that it doesn't have at the moment and he doesn't. So, yeah, it, 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 you're fighting with yourself, aren't you? As a Manchester United fan, you want to see these young players play because it's what we're all about. But it's seven years now and counting without a league title or even getting close to a league title. And it gets to a point where you think to yourself, not only that, these young players need need elite players around them, Kieran. You know, the reason Ferguson was so successful at bringing young players through is because they were coming into a successful dressing room, coming into a dressing room full of winners. These young lads are coming into our dressing room now, they're looking around and where are the winners that they can look at and, and breed confidence from it? And it's only fair to these guys that you give them the environment to flourish. And I just think as nice as it would be to see Axel and Jimmy starting every week for United, it, is this really the right time and place for them to do it as a Manchester United player? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I know Aaron mentioned a, a couple of names here. Now, one I'd probably focus on is probably Yves Basuma. I think he's been very good in the Premier League. It's it's a tough one. Personally, I don't think, and yeah, I'll probably have an article out the weekend as long as I can get actually the time to get it posted. But yeah, it could work in terms of a short-term thing, but it's not a long-term solution for for United. He can do a job. We saw him do it for, I think it was under Louis van Gaal. He did it. It was either for Louis van Gaal or Jose Mourinho for a very short period of time. But look, Jose. he's he, he yeah, he's he's a he's a center he's a center back, and that's 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 the problem. Is that where we want? We've mentioned it earlier on. We need creativity from that deep lying midfielder. And the problem is, right now, I don't see it from anyone that's currently at the club. I don't see it with Matic. McTominay, I think he's more suited to when he's playing a little bit further forward. Fred, I know he's kind of improved, but he's one of the more infuriating players, I think, that we currently have at the club. So really, the only one that's, that's left that... I'd be fine with giving an opportunity to is if Jimmy Garner came back, but you don't want to put all that pressure on where he has to start every single week. So it is one of those that over the next year or two, United are going to have to improve on that. Look, we may not be talking about this next year. If 
United bring in a top centre back and suddenly the defence is doing a lot better and you don't feel like you badly need a kind of defensive or a holding midfielder. But again, if the defence doesn't improve where we still see those mistakes kind of creep in, I think this talk is just going to continue to ramp up and could end up being one of the downfalls of Ollie's time at the club because it this this podcast has a theme. It's that imbalance of the squad, the imbalance of the club. And normally, if you get your midfield right, usually the rest of the kind of flair players can kind of fit in around it. Unfortunately for United, they just don't have that midfield right. When you have to play McTominay and Fred or Fred and Matic or McTominay and Matic in the midfield, you're not going to create enough. And that's kind of what we what we saw yesterday, that it didn't matter what midfield that they were, that they were going to use. The fact that you didn't have that other creative midfielder alongside Bruno meant we weren't going to be able to get through what Crystal Palace were trying to do. And it was so obvious watching that game. And it happens in... It's happened so often this season and unfortunately it is going to be one of those I think probably have to hope the Pogba can get back soon and also adding on to that that we need to kind of shift the way we play in order to kind of get the best out of the current players that we have at the moment. Um, We'll leave it there for, for this week and I just want to thank you guys for, for joining me this week. It was <laughs> This was a, a nice bit of a talk after just how poor the game was yesterday to be able to go back and kind of reflect on things, even if it is a little bit kind of not the most positive thing to be talking about. But again, I think a, a hint of realism is, is needed within our fan base because we've mentioned it over the last few days, just how toxic it's either one end of the spectrum or the other. You're either so, I hate using the word Ollie in or Ollie out, but you're so pro kind of what everything's happening now, or you absolutely hate everything that's going on with with the club. And sometimes the truth is a little bit in the middle. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for joining me today. Um, again, just remember that the podcast will be available on Spotify, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Just make sure you, you go over and you subscribe to the podcast. And we'll be back next week for another football after show. So thanks for joining me t- today, guys. Right. Cheers, Gary.